last week, Dave gave a brilliant talk on um, who are we imitating. And this week, I'm following up with who are we trying to please. So just to give a context to this letter um, that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, um, Paul established a small church in, why is it called Thessalonica? But in Thessalonica, um, in about AD 50, it was his second missionary journey. And he went straight to the synagogue and he started to preach to the Jews there about the Old Testament and how in the Old Testament it was telling them to expect a Messiah that would come, um, that would die and then that would rise again. And very controversially that this Messiah is Jesus. So some of the Jews there believed him, some God-fearing Greeks believed him, and it also says some prominent women believed him. Get in, prominent women. Um, but some of the Jews were really very unhappy. They were jealous about this, so they basically kicked up a right fuss. They got some of the local people to cause a real fuss, so much so that Paul had to basically leg it overnight. So um, you can understand he was a bit concerned to know what had happened in the church after he left. So he'd sent Timothy along, um, who was a Greek and could go more easily. And Timothy gave really encouraging and positive um, feedback from how the church was doing. So this is a really nice letter of Paul's. <laughs> They're all nice. But sometimes, you know, Paul has to write and give everyone a right telling off. This is not such a letter. It is a letter of friendly encouragement and a rallying cry. So let us all hear this lovely encouragement for our community. So um, I'm going to read the passage. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. As you know, with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each other as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continuously, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe. 
For brothers and sisters, become imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. There you go. There's a lot in that, isn't there? Um, So before we start, I've got some really great news because actually I had an email from God this week. And in that email, it listed everyone that God is really pleased with. And every person here's name was on it. I mean, what are the chances of that? God wanted you to know how really pleased he is with you. Because I do think sometimes we're not that convinced that God is pleased with us. Have you ever thought that? So before I start to speak about who are we trying to please, I wanted you to know that God is really pleased with you. And Philip Yancey wrote in that brilliant book, What's So Amazing About Grace?, Grace means there is nothing we can do to make God love us more. And grace means there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. Grace means that God already loves us as much as an infinite God possibly can. I mean, isn't that amazing? And I want to start there because we really do need to know that. Um, Also, we know the passage in Romans 8 about how Paul is convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's such a wonderful passage. And even in the Psalms, not even in the Psalms, also in the Psalms, it says in Psalm 149, verse 4, God takes pleasure in his people. So do you believe that? Good. Um, Is God... (laughs) And please you, because I think that really matters how we approach God. Um, When I was a young engineer working in a chemical factory, I had the joy of being responsible for the factory. Um, But there was an electrical engineer who had responsibility across all the factories. And frankly, he was a scary man. And I was scared of him. And I know that when I approached him, I always felt on the back foot, even though it was my plant, and basically he had to help me. But I remember, I can picture it now, being frightened before I went in his office, thinking, oh, he's going to be so grumpy, he doesn't approve of me, and just all this stuff. And then I went on a very timely training course, which has just got me to think, how would I um, engage with this person if I thought he really liked me and he really approved of me? So I thought, I'll give it a go. So before I went into his office, I just did that whole pretend thing. Pretend you're going to see somebody really nice who really likes you. Surprise, surprise. I went in there. We got on great. Because I changed my attitude. I was more proactive and I was more confident. So um, I think we will approach God more eagerly if we think God really is pleased with us. And... I just want us to really think about how delighted God is to be in relationship with us. It's what the whole Bible's about. Right from the start, all of the Old Testament is about how God wants to be in a covenant relationship with us. And then, of course, he sent his son, Jesus. So, 
Anyway, back to the passage. Paul starts, oh look, I forgot my angry picture of God. Do you want to see it? It's not God. Oh, it doesn't cut anyway. That, that is what the bloke looked like. Um, <laughs> sorry, I put myself off there. So, Paul starts this section of the letter making it really clear what his motives were for sharing the gospel. Um, he really is justifying himself that his motives were not selfish. Basically, Paul had, in a rather humiliating way, had to just get out quickly in the middle of the night. I don't expect he said goodbye to everybody, wish them all good luck and thank them. Um, and so, of course, there was a lot of opposition. And so rumors started to go around saying, well, of course, he just wanted to save his skin, didn't he? He had to get out. He wasn't worried about you. Um, he's just like all those other religious charlatans that we see that want things for themselves, who've got their own selfish motives, who perhaps want money from us or even for sex. But Paul was not concerned about his reputation at all. He was concerned to explain his motives because the future of the gospel was at stake. He knew what was at stake. He wasn't worried what people thought of him. So, Paul's mission was to please God. And to do that, he wanted others to know about God so that they could please him too. And I wonder sometimes who we are trying to please. What is our focus? Um, Are we trying to please others or are we trying to please ourselves? I don't know what you're prioritizing. Are you prioritizing pleasing people over some of the other things? I looked this up on the internet, so this is factually correct. Apparently, it is in our DNA to want to please others because prehistoric um, tribes had to live together. They couldn't survive on their own. They needed people to do different jobs to protect each other. Um, So they had to get on well. If you didn't please somebody, you'd end up on your own. And as this article suggested, you would immediately be eaten by a tiger. So I I wonder if maybe something inside of us obviously does. Now, maybe now we don't actually need to have the concern about the tigers in the same way. It's much easier, isn't it, to lead a solitary life? But of course, it's not fulfilling, is it? We know that God created us to be part of a community, and we want to belong. We hate being rejected, don't we? We hate... That's why, you know, you're on a Zoom call. Nobody dares say anything, do they? (laughs) Because they don't want the wrath of the group. Um, And sometimes we go to extreme lengths. Um, But Esther was saying the other week in her talk, the passage we know so well about how we are part of the family of God, aren't we? We are all accepted and loved. We don't need to fear that rejection. Um, We don't need to worry about pleasing others. God is pleased with us already, and we each have a place, and especially those of us that are vulnerable or have special needs. I love the fact that in that passage, it says that those people should be honored and treated with special honor. So the self-help solution for pleasing yourself is, I'm sorry to say, or not sorry to say, take time for yourself, say no, all that stuff. We all know what it is, don't we? This is the self-help solution, but I'm afraid I can't give it to you because it doesn't count. Because being a Christian, it's not all about you. (laughs) It isn't all about you. Um, It isn't all about doing what you want and pleasing yourself. 
Did your children learn in school? Did you learn in school in RE studies what the golden rule is? And that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't say, and take time for yourself. Although that, I would recommend that, but not to the extreme. So if we're loving our neighbor, are we doing what Paul was doing? And out of love, declaring the gospel with boldness, as Paul describes. Or have we stopped? How are you feeling about this? Because this was a right old call for me, (laughs) a right challenge when I was preparing this. Have we stopped sharing with boldness um, this brilliant news that we've got? Do we think, oh, people aren't interested? We've got other priorities, haven't we? I'm quite busy. I'm doing a lot of stuff. Maybe we just actually haven't got that much confidence in God. Um, And it's not as though, is it, that our neighbors or our work colleagues or our friends have got everything sorted. I mean, that's a terrible thing. It's not as though everyone that we live in is all doing really well. Um, So are we sharing the good news with those people who we share our life with, or have we just got out of a habit? Have we even stopped looking for, oppor- looking for opportunities? I know when I first became a Christian, I, if I went away on a course, I would pray, please let me have the opportunity to share um, your word with somebody. And surprise, surprise, it happened every time. Um, we've had the pandemic, haven't we? Things have changed. So I'm just thinking this is, for me, a great wake-up call. I really enjoyed that video that was on Thanksgiving and that Claire Thompson showed us about Roz, um, who was in a desperate situation. Really, she looked, she'd lost a lot of money, she'd been made a fool of, she was in a desperate situation. But a work colleague offered to pray for her. Again, out of love, a work colleague offered to pray for her. And Roz then found Jesus, and it transformed her life. I mean, how else do we think people's lives are going to be transformed? It is through Jesus, isn't it? Through the work of the Holy Spirit. Is there another solution that we think is better for people? There isn't, is there? There's no better solution. Um, So maybe (laughs) we should just be more ready to share this good news. We know this verse in Peter, don't we? But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I think if we shared the reason for our hope, we are very unlikely indeed to get hauled up by a mob and humiliated by the Bristol Council calling us in, flogging us and making us go naked through the streets. I don't know if anyone has experienced this, but it's very unlikely. And that is exactly what had happened to Paul before he came to Thessalonica, and he still spoke with great boldness. He could have thought, well, actually, maybe God's not in this, because if God was in this, I would not have got beaten, would I? It would have all gone really well. They would have accepted my word. Um, So I just wonder, is there someone on your heart that you feel you could share the good news with? And sometimes it's not that difficult. I was at my niece's wedding in September, and um, the groom's mother, who I'd never met before, came up to the church on her own, and frankly, she looked a bit hassled. So I introduced myself, 
and she just said she was feeling really stressed about a few things. So I'd not met this woman before, and I'd have no relationship with her. I just said to her, can I pray for you? She said yes. I put my hand on my shoulder, and I just prayed for peace. I did not go on then and give her the full gospel, but I felt actually that was a a gift I could share with her. And then I thought maybe other people have offered to pray for her recently. Other people have shown loving kindness. You never know where that may end. And in my experience, the worst thing somebody can say is no thank you. But then they'll be really touched that you've noticed um, that they need something. So basically, you can't lose. So if you offer to pray for somebody this week and it turns out really badly, I'll give you a fiver. (laughs) And so will James. (laughs) Um, And another interesting thing about the effectiveness of the Thessalonicans was that their witness really worked. Despite the fact that they were persecuted, they carried on witnessing. So actually, people must have been thinking, oh my goodness, why are they continuing with this foolishness? Why are they still proclaiming this good news? Um, the Jews would have really hated what they were saying because they were going against what they believed. They were also um, not obeying Caesar's decree either, that Caesar is the king. They were saying, no, there's another king. The Romans did not like that, and the Romans aren't happy. Everyone gets to know about it. And also, for those Greeks who would have been um, sacrificing in the temple, that was really part of their day-to-day culture. They would not have been doing that anymore. Their lives would have been massively transformed. And basically, they would have been getting opposition on every side. And yet, they had received God's word so powerfully deep into their hearts that they were prepared to witness. And boy, was that an effective witness. So I just wonder, are we going through a hard time? Is there a chance for us to actually share with people, yes, I am going through a hard time, but this is... Paul was bold. I said he had been beaten. But what was stopping... So what's stopping us when we, like him, have got the Holy Spirit... We've got the Holy Spirit to give us words, to guide us into situations. We've also been entrusted, like Paul, with the gospel. And mission feels just as urgent today, doesn't it, as it did in those times. One of the commentaries I read was suggesting that we should go on a confidence-building course so we were prepared to speak up more boldly. (laughs) I mean, that might work, but... um, Maybe, actually, we should just encourage each other uh, by saying stories, either of where we've had a go or where we've not had a go, where we've had a missed opportunity. This could be something in our home groups or as we speak. So I really think that we should try and build each other up. It's great, isn't it, at the Thanksgiving to hear stories of how people have come to Jesus. But wouldn't it be wonderful if every week we're welcoming new people in Um, who we've shared the gospel with. So the next point. Oh, look, here we go. Yeah, and I think that might just simply be by being a blessing to somebody. Because how we live our lives really matters. And this is what Paul says as well. 
It really matters that how you live your life matches what you're saying. Walk the talk. And Paul uses lovely imagery, which is really rather great. He says about being a child, about caring for people as a mother, just as a nursing mother cares for children, so we care for you, because we loved you so much that we're ready to share not only the gospel, but our lives. So they were sharing the gospel and their lives based on love. And the verse in Colossians says, So that you may lead a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing on the knowledge of God. And this is a point that Dave made last week about um, who is affecting us and influencing us. How can we tell in people's lives? And again, it's the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, isn't it, that um, softens people's hearts to our message. Um, I may tell you, I may have told you that when I became a Christian when I was 21 um, and then I first started work, I was really excited to go along to the Work Christian Fellowship because I thought, this is great, I've just become a Christian. Who's in the Work Christian Fellowship? I went along and, oh, I was so disappointed (laughs) because there was this guy there who frankly was renowned on site for being grumpy and awkward. I can picture him now. It was everything I could do to stop saying, what? You're a Christian? You've got to be kidding me. Anyway, (laughs) we're all human and we all make mistakes. Um, I was in Westbury a couple of months ago with a friend of mine who perhaps can get angry. And we we got in a bit of a road rage situation. It was so bad that the person who was cross with us pulled his car up came out and was approaching. My passenger was going bananas, swearing the lot. I was thinking, oh my goodness, this guy's going to punch me. I really did think he was going to punch me. Anyway, we managed to resolve the issue. And afterwards I thought, what happens if he turns up in church on Sunday? (laughs) What? You? So it happens, doesn't it? But, you know, it's a good thing to think, isn't it? Um, If people were to find out that we were Christians, what would there be that reaction? Would they kind of think, oh, I kind of guessed it. You know, you know when you meet somebody who's absolutely lovely, you can tell it in their face. You think, I know you're a Christian. Um, So that's a real challenge, isn't it, for us um, to live like Paul was saying that he lived, in love and in obedience with others. So that then we, when we share with people, they're already thinking of us with kindness. So, to summarize this absolutely wonderful letter, the few things I'd like you to take home are, first of all, if you don't know it, God is already pleased with you and delights in you. If you want to see the email, I can bring it with me on Tuesday. We need to look at what our priorities are. Who are we trying to please? Are we trying to please God because we're just so delighted to be in relationship with him and we want to share with others so that they please him too? Are we prepared to share the gospel? Um, Are we prepared to just gently and kindly share the gospel with people who we're living our daily lives with?
And are we prepared to be bold? Are we kind of not looking at what's happened in the past or looking at where we may have failed, but looking at the character of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to give us boldness? And what's encouraging about this letter, I think we think Paul had it all sorted, although he does on many occasions say he doesn't. But the tense that he used in trying to please God is a continuous tense. He's not saying, I've pleased God, tick, be good. So at the end of his letter, he says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. So let it be our intention and our priority and our privilege and our joy to do that this week. So may I pray. Lord, we thank you that you love us and you delight in us. And Lord, we just thank you for the encouragement of this letter. And Lord, where we doubt sometimes whether you do delight in us, whether you're pleased with us, whether you accept us, Lord, I pray that you would show us the love that you have for us. And Lord, I ask that you would soften our hearts to those that we live with, to those that we meet. Lord, just show us your heart for them, how you long to be in relationship with them as well. And Lord, we ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit as we share your good news with those around us, Lord. Amen.